America. My name is Armio Seiframpong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. And today I'm going to tell you what Heather McGee gets wrong. The general argument, anytime we listen to her talk, it'll all be some variety of the same um, spiel that America would be a better place if it were less racist. Whites would be happier if they were less racist. And anti-racism works for everybody. So we should really kind of support critical race theory. We should support the kind of policies that will create better citizens because better citizens will be less racist and racism will make everyone less racism will make everyone happy i'm ha everyone happier i'm telling you that that's um very, and white liberals love her everyone loves everyone loves heather mcgee loves heather mcgee heather mcgee is a good negro that everyone should be because you know she tells hard truths in a way that liberals like to hear and she and because she lives in a world where in a less racist America, white people will be happier. And I'm telling you, that's just not true. Like white conservatives know that's not true, and white people know that's not true. In a less racist, in a less racist America, white people will not necessarily be happier. They will be upset. <laughs> they will. They will have to. In an America where they have to come to terms with their parents' legacy, with some of the legacy entitlements that they that they've kind of accrued they're not going to be more happy. Like they, it's not, the ones who are hang, hang, uh, like hanging on to oppressive institutional configurations because they get to be the oppressor, those people are not going to be happier when they give up the weight of being the oppressor. Sure, like in some abstract way that they haven't really been acculturated into appreciating, they will be healthier and happier, but in a, in a concrete way that they have been acculturated into appreciating, they will feel robbed. They will feel upset and they will not feel happy. So like, it's a larger cultural battle to make the kind of white people who will be happier with an anti-racist America than just assuming that anti-racist policies will make white people, it might even make them richer. They still won't be happier because they use their money to pay for the racism, right? So this idea that somehow a less racist America is good for white people needs to just retire because it's not true. And the only, I don't know who really believes it. I don't even know if McGee really believes it. I, I think her funders do, or her funders like to hope it's true, but it's not true. So we need to actually deal with the America where white people actually get something out of racism. They get something out of racism. And you know, there's a similar uh, argument to be made about gender equality there's this there's this idea that if we had equal gender relations women would be happier and that's true until it's not true there's a subset of women especially the upper 30 percent of women who very much like the option to just marry some dude who will take care of the rest of the world for her and feels culturally and duty bound to provide for her right and now it's always an option. Nobody likes being forced into that. But as a plan B, they like that as the plan B. And if you say we're taking away your plan B, they'll say like, well, I like choices. <laughs> I like choices. I, wanna, I want this career thing to work out. But if it doesn't work out, I also want the ability to marry rich to someone who's going to feel duty bound to take care of me and like chase off, you know, mice and Negroes. Um, I like being taken care of. I like being able to call some guy. To, like, I don't want to be drafted into uh, a war. So this is why 
this is one reason why uh you know the phyllis schlafly feminists actually the phyllis schlafly women were successful in killing the era in the 70s because they the alternative was offering some sort of fiction where women don't like the option of being taken care of or uh, of having the opportunity to be like stay-at-home parents right and they don't want the politics to actually make it the case that everybody gets to be a stay-at-home parent um or like would have some sort of we would have to work out where everyone is expected to work but then like they don't want to have to deal with all that kind of politics they just want to have to deal with one dude and if they can find one dude to go fight the world for them while they you know stay at home and garden or whatever they'll do that or like they had to do some sort of unserious career they'll they'll do that right so there's a significant number of women who want that as part of i want that opportunity want that choice they believe in choice they don't want to be forced in it but they, they want that choice um to not have to either fight in the private market on their own or fight politically to secure rights for everybody in the private market and, 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 and fight for a federal job guarantee and fair wages and, and, and unionized labor. They want the right to opt out of that and just opt, opt into a dude. And if you don't take them seriously, then you get, you know, you get the whole fight wrong and you'll, you'll be surprised when so many women fight against um, like true equality. You know, not, it's funny because there are no small number of black women who actually want the gig that white women have, right? And, and then I get upset when they get the when they don't when when they don't get the gig that white women have. And and I'm for equality. I'm I don't give anybody the gig that white women have. It's one of the reasons I talk about them the way I talk about them because part of the gig that white women had is nobody's supposed to talk like I'm supposed to talk like. Like that's the case. As if the labor market, I, I did ask my classes one time, as if the, I asked my class, how many people here could, if they applied themselves, marry their way into a socially supported, successful life? Um, and you know, a good number of women who are honest with themselves raised their hand, white women raised their hands. And, and then I, and then I, and I asked, why don't you think any of the guys raised their hands? and you know it had a pretty fruitful discussion it's an option it's an option for the upper class of like 30 the top 30 percent which is a no significant no small number of people to it's a, it's an option for them it's a plan b if plan a doesn't work out or they can have like an unserious plan a they can live a hundred fifty thousand dollar a year lifestyle but have like a thirty thousand dollar a year job um and expect everything else to kind of magically work out and pray hard because they'll marry an engineer who will kick in the other, you know, hundred thousand dollars, right? So, um, yeah, this idea that equality is going to help everyone is like not true. There's some people who like the distorted system as it is, and even if it will make them feel whole at an abstract level, it won't. Like at the level to which they've been acculturated to feeling, it'll feel like a a, a cut, right? So um, that's the same thing with racial justice. If you think that you can get racial justice and white people will, well, they no longer have to preside over de the degradation and, and lie about history and they'll overall be happier and they'll make more money and democracy will be better for everyone. Yeah, but they'll no longer be white in a country that white matters and that's what they want. And that's what they want and that's the lifestyle to which they become accustomed. That's how they register themselves and you know in a world where they make more money but they have to listen to guys like me talk about them they would rather take the pay cut <laughs> um and that is what's at stake 
That's what's at stake. And they're not irrational for, for wanting to do that. And the illusion that white people don't get both a material and a psychological, and the latter is more important than, than the um, former, in a lot of ways, benefit from racism is just that, an illusion. Is, is just that an illusion. By the way, if you like anything I'm doing, know that you know all of the donors who go to, who like Heather McGee aren't gonna donate to me. So go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, 15, $50 uh, a month. I'm gonna uh, do another video uh, right after this on something completely different. But we just have to know that the illusion, the illusion that white people will be happier after racism is gone might be just that an illusion and it's a selling point that's not particularly salient because they're not sensitive enough to actually feel the goodness that comes with wholeness of living in a racial just um, um, country they've like the entire sensitivity has been distorted such that it wouldn't even register they would just register as a loss of degradation a loss of their way of life right so mcgee's whole thing is that you have to tell white people that they'll be happier after in a racially just nation. And my whole thing is actually being honest about like, no, we're gonna have to fight. We're gonna have to fight. And because we're gonna take something away from them that's going to, that has the feeling that they own. Um, and we're, if you're serious about actually getting justice, it's gonna come with their felt degradation. On some abstract level, they'll be happier, but they won't feel happier. They're going to feel degraded and they're going to feel like we take something from them. So like, let's like gird ourselves to the project of taking what white people think is theirs. Right. So that's what she gets wrong. And so she just wrote a, she wrote a book to some of us. And then she wrote an op-ed that came out today in the New York times about how the purpose of education is to create citizens. And this is also uh, so there's a false dichotomy where the people say that there's a purpose of education is to create uh, people who are career and college ready, or it's a purpose of education to create democratic citizens who can, you know, appropriately and knowledgeably wield, you know, the organs of self-governance, the levers of power, the organs of self-governance. This is a false dichotomy because if you're serious about creating citizens, part of citizenry is actually understanding and governing as a participant civil society right so you need to be career and college ready at least career ready in order to be a good citizen this is why and this dichotomy actually explains why we don't understand the economic conditions of political citizenship we think that like political citizenship happens and there are no economic conditions there are no family conditions there are no ethical moral conditions you can just be a good citizen and we don't have to actually think about your economic moral or um family status and i'm saying like no <laughs> part of what it is to be good uh, to be a good citizen is to have your your practices of citizenship upheld by your standing in civil society that means you, you need a good job in order to be a good citizen and also or a good job or a steady access to money or recognized access to the, you know the the um the perks of civil society also you need a family like you need to have your family game right right you can't be a good citizen there's no like, well, I learned how to be a good citizen, but I learned how to be a bad parent. No, part of what it is to be a good citizen is to either is to understand what it means to be a good parent and then, you know, argue for policies that uphold the quality of parenting that would actually produce, you know, a unified, strong republic. 
uh, is one reason why I think that you know the child uh, tax credit is something we should we should people shouldn't be penalized for having kids, right? That should be as unseemly as a poll tax. The idea that I can't afford to have kids it should like never be uttered by an American. Also, something that shouldn't be uttered by an American: I haven't had water in a month, which is something that the people in Jackson, Mississippi, have. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, everywhere there's a congregation of black people in these United States, check the water. Because, uh, you know, part of legacy racism is that there isn't a, the public funds to redo water systems in black localities. So, you know, you, and I've, you know, this is bad because Choco Lumumba in Jackson's actually a good dude. But I've said, these, you got these black mayors in these black towns who you think, well, it's great because they're good leftists. But at the end of the day, they're under the thumb of state governments that are functionally run by the Klan. Mississippi state government, doesn't matter if you got like a black local official. You're Mississippi state government, you're, running, you're dealing with the Klan. And like they starved you on purpose. <laughs> they starved you because you're easier to control when you're that way. All right? So um, you, you, we need bigger kind of, a cultural redress. So the two charges against McGee that I wanted to lay out in this video. One is that there's this illusion that anti-racist efforts should be popular among the whites because it'll ultimately help the whites. And I'm saying that it will help the whites on some level that they can't even comprehend and won't really feel. So functionally won't help the whites. They'll miss the perks of whiteness and we need to deal with that, that reality. So until you make whites who won't miss the perks of whiteness, then like just taking away their perks is, is, is actually going to be felt like a loss. And we need to deal with it that way. And we need to understand that we can't expect them to voluntarily, um, uh, you know, and we can't, we can't bribe them out of like giving up the perks of whiteness because they use their money to buy the perks of whiteness. Right? So this is why private schools can charge what they can charge and people spend for them because that's what they're using their money for. Right? So... Uh, this, the argument goes all the way back to Du Bois and, uh, and some other people. You just have to take it seriously. This illusion that um, white people will enjoy not being racist is really kind of not really true. We should, we should understand that they will not enjoy not being racist, and we should do it anyway. And part of what it is to be a responsible citizen is to do things you won't enjoy. Uh, yeah, and like that's kind of my view of mature citizenship. And mature other things in life too. All right, so there's that argument. Whites won't um, or like anti-racist efforts or should like it. And if, if they knew what's good for them, and I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. And the other argument is that there's a distinction between what it is to be a citizen and what it is to be all of these other, uh, to be a, you know, a worker or a parent or a Christian, right? All of these identities have to uphold each other. And they're all kind of imbricated with each other and entail each other. So what it is to be a citizen actually has economic, spiritual, and family conditions that need to be satisfied. Right? So you can't, you can't just separate them. And what happens when you try to separate them is people say like, well, I agree with you as a citizen. You're right. But as a family person, we need to keep racism. As a Christian, we need to keep racism. As a, you know, I would, but my job uh, requires me to keep racism, right? Because your anti-racism hasn't actually affected how they think about family, jobs, and spirituality. And until your political anti-racism 
goes right after the distorted notions of family, the distorted notions of jobs, and the distorted notions of of spirituality, then those distorted notions are going to screw up their politics. And they'll, you'll find people say, well, I agree with you politically, but uh, I just, you know, I got to do what I do for the family. And to which you should respond, well, you have a distorted notion of what you have to do for the family. And we need to talk about how you have a distorted notion of the family. And this idea that Americans can have distorted notions of the family shouldn't be that surprising. I mean, during the 70s, 80s, late 70s, 80s, and 90s, we told divorcing couples that the divorce wouldn't wouldn't affect their kids. And let me tell you, divorce affects your kids. And whoever told you that has a distorted notion of the family. Whoever told you that it wouldn't affect your kids has a distorted notion of the family. And, and we need to be honest about what distorted notions of the family mean, right? And so now you have these moms for liberty groups, these moms groups who are like using their family leverage, the title as moms to enact political changes and like banning books that talk about some of the degradations that, you know, the, the whites laid down in these nations, right? So on my Twitter, I have, you know, the, the pinned tweet is a, is a Moms for Liberty. It's a group that wants to ban books from K through 12 schools that suggest that maybe, you know, white people might be on the wrong side of history. Um, so yeah, if you don't have a kind of robust understanding of what family means, if you don't have a robust understanding of what religion means, spirituality, and you don't have a robust understanding of you know, the role of the economy, then trying to talk about, you know, creating good citizens in the abstract is naive. And people, the other side will fight against you, not because they don't disagree with your politics, they just, they just support, they, they just have a, a notion of the family, they just have a notion of Christianity, they just have a notion of gender, they just have a notion of, of um, jobs of, of economics that just so happens to go against your political project. So what you have to do is work on their notion of the family, work on their notion of gender, work on their notion of, of Christianity, and work on their notion of what like, work means and jobs mean. And then the better politics, you kind of work the body that way, then you could deliver the knockout blow with the, with the citizenship education. Right? But just trying to go from citizen education without... With, I'd understand that the obstacles are going to be their understanding of the family is just a fool's game and but a very lucrative fool's game because white liberals and white people in general want to believe that this kind of pablum that mcgee spits out which is better than you know other kinds of pablum but is ultimately feckless and that's why they pay for it right because you don't have to actually get the whites to change uh in any deep way and that's, and I'm saying like, no, the war is properly cultural and it's gonna, and we need to wage it on their religion. We need to wage it on their family. The white family is a disaster for racial justice and like a disaster internally. So like, I think you can go externally and just like, we need to hammer out the white family. We need to Moynihan report at the white family, but also we need to sow the seeds internally because, um, you know, all sorts of spousal rape, that, you know, that's been normalized through religion. And, and, and so the white family is a mess for a variety of reasons, and we need to destroy it. And, you know, eventually, it'll feel like we're destroying their family to them because their family is going to look differently than their grandparents' family. By the way, their grandparents were drunks anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> All that greatest generation, their, their grandparents were just drunks. And so, um, and then their parents are screw-ups too. So, 
We're going to destroy their, what they conceive of as the, the, as the entitlements of their family. Those are going to have to go away. And it's going to be a hostile takeover of the white family. But if you say it's about racial justice, you need to be honest about that's what it's going to take. By the way, if you want other people talking like me, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com because people you know, get a little bit nervous when I speak like this. But I'm just telling you the truth about if we want justice in these United States, what we're going to have to do, we're going to have to change the way the whites think about family. We're going to have to change the way the whites think about uh, jobs. We're going to have to change the way the whites think about Christianity. And any other change, ideological change, that doesn't go against those things, that doesn't go right out of those things, is going to be taken out by those things. Right? So thank you for your time. I'm going to do another video real quick about Jackson, Mississippi, and the fact that they don't have water and what that means.